You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Harta Midlothian Football Club, who avoided looking like a deer caught in the headlights this week as they dispatched the staggies. Maybe not a performance to fawn over and a result that doesn't buck the trend when it comes to Hearts record in Dingwall, but one that made all of that dough spent by the Hearts fans travelling north worth the expense. Hi, I'm Laurie Dunsire, joined again by Mark Donaldson. Normally I'd give you some diatribe here full of nonsense. However, I'm going to go straight to the head of VAR, Scott McIntosh, because I feel that should be a straight red card. But VAR wants a word. <laughs> Scott, that intro, um, are you going to uphold the on-field decision from me, which is a straight red? Because you could see where it was going. The minute he said deer caught in the headlights, you knew it was going to be stags. And then you thought, right, that's it. And then he kept going. So <laughs> does it stay as a red card, the on-field review, or is there mitigating circumstances and he does get a reprieve? Well, I'm going to be selfish and say that we just need to scrap the, the intros because I'm so bad at them. Anytime you come to me, I'm just thinking, right, what can I say? What's witty? What's satirical? I just feel like I'm going back in time. I'm back to the days where I used to watch Have I Got News For You and they would have the caption bit at the end and all my family would be shouting really funny stuff and I'd just be sitting there thinking, I can't think anything. So if it was up to me, I would just be, there would just be an outright blanket ban on it from now on. Well, well, you mentioned the political side of Have I Got News For You. Just like um, most politicians, you fail to answer the question, does it stay a red <laughs> card for Dunsire? Or are you suggesting that it may um, it may be down to a yellow, that intro, and he, he gets to continue hosting this week's show? Yeah, I think let's just be lenient and let's just keep it a yellow. Right, Dunsire, last warning. Oh, that was a wonderful intro. I mean, I was I, lucky I didn't go down the Mallard route. <laughs> Alan Forrest saying the Hearts fans quackers. No? Is that what we've got an hour of this, have we? <laughs> no, I get it all in there early on. So um, okay. it's 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 fine. Yeah, another positive, or at least slightly positive episode after a victory for Hearts, which we will duly talk about uh, an enjoyable trip for many hearts fans and it's it is a nice trip if you've if you're not that i know many people will will take the train so uh they maybe the don't train as what's much that the, the train um or they may be on a coach and you don't take it in as much but as drives go as much as it is a you know six and a half hour even to seven hour round trip potentially it's it's a nice trip you know maybe not the m90 part of it but you know when you get to the a9 um, you know, after going through Fife, you know, you've then got Perthshire, you've got the Cairngorms up to the Highlands, just past Inverness. It's it's a very nice route, and I don't. Did you ever get to to do that one much, Mark? Because I know <laughs> County weren't. Oh, did I ever get to do that one? Um, unfortunately, I did that one. Um, two thousand and one. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say that. As soon as you yeah, laughed, the, cup, the was... cup game. <laughs> the cup game. Uh, yes. The, Your game. The, yes, <laughs> yes. That was the first time I was ever up there. Because um, I don't think we'd been there since no. the mid-90s no. or something. That would be for like so, a testimonial. Uh, so 
believe it or not, competitively, this is one of the, and I, I mentioned it briefly, I think, in the last podcast, is you know, hearts generally are, are pretty put away from home, and that's not a new thing. Something for all of us in all of our lifetimes, it's, it's just been the way of it. But Dingwall is somewhere that we've always done well at, and that defeat you're talking about, the penalty shootout loss, uh, you know, more than two decades ago, we've only lost once at that ground since then. There's only, there's only ever been one 90-minute defeat for Hearts. That was over 10 years ago in 2013. So 14 games there um, competitive, competitively for Hearts. Won six, drawn six, and lost just two. Unbeaten now in 11 trips to Dingwall. It's strange because it feels like on paper that should be the type of fixture that Hearts always struggle in. Doesn't Funny, it? isn't it? Yeah, you, you spoke a couple of weeks ago about Kilmarnock's record at Tynecastle, and yeah, when I was yeah. when I was kind of going, and Scott maybe the same. Um, there would be certain teams' grounds that you used to love going to Motherwell. We had a great record at, at Motherwell for a spell, and then couldn't win there. Aberdeen was was horrible to begin with, and then we were actually all right. And now it's a fixture that's just the home team wins it. So Ross County, yeah, I went there. This, is it Tony Bullock. Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah. Penalty goalkeeper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, was, Fogel, that was the first time. Fogel missed one of the penalties. I want to say Robbie Nielsen might have missed the other one, but I'm maybe getting that wrong. He definitely took one, but I remember Fogel missing one of them. Yeah, so that was my first, and I didn't see anything because it was dark coming back. Um, I mean, it's still light till about 11 o'clock at that time of year going up the way. Um, and then through the game, but then coming down, yeah. I do. I went up, I'm sure I went up with Brian McLaughlin. He was driving that day from, from the BBC. And I think he still tells the story about getting back to Pennycook in less than three hours. I think he said he did it in 2.57 that night. I don't know if there's speed cameras on the A90. I think it was before it's, the days of average, average speed, speed cameras. Average that was, speed yeah, that's now. now. To, to be fair, it, it, very plausible. I mean, it took me, um, even with the average speed, it was very quiet drive going up there. So it was only, if you took the stop out that I made, it was only just over three hours. It was very um, quiet going up. Um, is it, surprisingly, is it the same so. stop all the time. Do, if you've no. if you've won the, if you've won there the time before, do you always like superstition. If you go to Kelly or if you go to Ross County or Inverness, do you if you if you've won the previous time, do you try and stop in the same place the next time because uh, of this nonsense just, and superstitions? No, no, I okay. stopped in Dalwinnie on the way up this time. Dalwinnie. Yep, Dalwinnie. It's called Dalwinnie Services, but I mean that's really pushing it. It's a tiny little petrol station with a. <laughs> with a, a fairly small shop attached to it. Do a lot of Hearts fans still stay over when they go up? I would imagine so, yeah. I think so. Good I mean, it's, then, it's, it? it's, it's a good, good weekend. You can pop back into Inverness pretty quickly, obviously. A few in the Mallard afterwards and then train or bus back into back into the big city. But uh, there you go. Yeah, just sort of comment on that because it's a very, especially coming back, I think, when you're heading, um, you're heading south you see all the the rolling hills. It's a it's, it's a nice trip, uh, especially a, when you win. Is, is there a point of the return journey that you you realise you're back in civilization? Um, get, it's almost like a landmark. It's well, it's probably when you get to the roundabout near Perth at the end of it. When you leave the A nine, then you're about to go and join the the M ninety again. Probably well, be I love that. the people up there, but just um, I mean, look, we moan. I just saw. What did I see? The League Cup draw in England: Exeter versus Middlesbrough. Jesus, I mean, Middlesbrough have set off already for that one, and we're and moaning about a three-hour trip to Dingwall. And who was their goal hero that sent them through to that game? Who Exeter? Dimitri Mitchell was indeed yes, really former Hearts man Dimitri Mitchell yeah. scored to knock out top flight. Luton, wasn't it? Oh, I also got sent off as well, I think. He got sent off as well. He did indeed. Uh, very harsh first yellow for him. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of know all this because I still follow him on Twitter and he's very active he? these days. He's very active these days. Has he old. found his level then? To be fair to Dimitri Mitchell, he was a, a very good player, I thought, in his first spell and um, a not-so-good player in his second spell. So I, I didn't completely dislike him. I think he's now playing further forward as well, which I think most people oh, would agree yeah. would be his strongest suit. I don't think he was ever really a full-back. I think a wing-back and a, a sort of midfield five or playing in a 4-2-3-1, because I think that's where Hibs were just starting to play him was that sort of 
uh, wide left wing position, uh, and then he, you know, obviously similar to us, he started coming up with a few injuries and that didn't really get a heady steam at Hibs. But seems to be doing all right actually this season because, like you say, what he's he's very active just now. <laughs> he's very vocal about how he's getting on, and he's he's got just about an opinion on everything just now, uh, not just football related. So it's it's quite interesting to follow him. This is your punishment, Dunsire, for um, for that for that intro. We've we've already I've already taken two with me on a journey of tangents. Oh, oh sorry, I thought you were going to give me more of a punishment. No, that was okay. Fine, Dimitri Mitchell, only twenty six, could do a job. Eh, we play left wing back now. Only joking. We won't go there. We are going to talk about Ross County against Heart and Midlow. They're not just terrible puns and the, the wonderful scenic route up there. We will actually talk about the football at some point as well. And of course, we will look ahead to the first Edinburgh Derby of the season. And I guess if anything else comes up, we'll we'll see where this takes us. You're listening to Scarves Around It Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So, heart of Midlothian, fresh from a welcome victory away to Kilmarnock in the Viaplay Cup that set up that semi-finals against now managerless Rangers, unfortunately. Hoping that one was going to drag itself out till early November at least. Up against Ross County, level on points going into this game. Ross County, who lost in the Viaplay Cup to Aberdeen. That was after a heavy defeat to the same team in their previous league game. So looking at the Hearts team, a couple of changes from the side that won 2-1 at Rugby Park. Cammy Devlin out, so he was out of the team and unavailable. And Alan Forrest dropping to the bench. And in came Orel Afaya and Aidan Denham, fresh off the back of signing that new three-year deal with the club. So Hart started with a back three and a 3-5-2 if you want to simplify but we could call it maybe a 3-3-2-2 or a 3-1-4-2 or even a 3-1-2-2-2. What did you make of it, Mark? It's a back three. <laughs> Whatever is in front of it, it's it's a back three. And we've been speaking about about Stephen Naismith and we gave him praise last week for the uh, adjustments made at Kilmarnock and he deserves praise again. This week, um, going into the second half, which we will talk about later. No, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. You asked about the defence. It was a back three with the two wing backs, and yeah, it, it's 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 interesting. There's a piece on Hearts Standard about the differences between the first and the second half. And again, I'm not going to go into the the, the second half, but the You're main thing. Oh, I am, and you deserve it. It's a <laughs> continual punishment for your opening to this week's episode. But the three that were kind of steady throughout were Rolls um, as a left centre-back, Kent and Toby Civic as the right centre-back. And the three of us have spoken about this before, um, how we feel that he seems to have lost his, his physicality. If it, I don't know if it was ever 100% there, Kai Rolls, but... He's, he's out-muscled um, too easily now. So to have someone else in there to help out, that was something that was, was going to be intriguing. Now I'm teasing as opposed to telling. Kent, middle, Civic, right-hand side of that. So, yeah, and, and it intrigued me to see what Ophaya, in a, in a position that he probably, well, he's played there before, whether or not he's a right centre-back or a right wing-back remains to be seen. But I think the, the biggest beneficiary of that was Stephen Kingsley and allowing him to get forward. Absolutely. I, I mean, Scott, looking at the team, I don't know what you feel about the Hearts backline in particular. I mean, we saw them end the game against Kamar that they shuffled, not exactly the same in the midfield and attacking areas, but in terms of the back three and moving to wing backs, they changed to that shape when Kamarnik were getting on top of things in the second half. What would you prefer with this Hearts team? Because I know what, what I like about it is when it comes to Toby Civic and Kai Rolls, especially Kai Rolls that Mark was mentioning, I feel the back three gets the best out of those two players anyway. Um, it, it, right now, is it a case of would you favour this over a four, or is it something that we just need to take game by game and, depending, and it depends on the opponent? Yeah, I think it very much depends on the occasion itself. Uh, I do understand why he done it on Saturday. I think that there was a, a tweak to the formation due to how they how they sort of assumed Ross County would would sort of set up. So I think that there was a, a reaction to that. Now again, fans will be split on whether they think that 
we should be tweaking our system against clubs like Ross County. But to be fair, I do think that if we're just looking at it in terms of isolating the back three, I do think that Rolls and Civic are probably at the most comfortable within that system. Now, there's issues further up the park with regards to the back three. I do think that with the current personnel, without Cochrane and Atkinson, I do think that too often will it then start to look like a back five? Or yeah. is what happened on Saturday, I don't think Ophaya offers anything going forward. And it became very sort of lopsided. Uh, mm -hmm. during the first sort of 45 to 60 minutes until they made those changes. So there is, there's a little bit of sort of positive and negative that comes with it, but you, you can't really argue with the defensive record just now. So I think you've got to sort of trust the management and, and just sort of go with it. But yeah, I definitely think once we get certain other individuals back into the squad, it could be something that I'd quite like to see on a more regular basis. Trust the process is the... The football mm. adage, isn't it? Uh, in terms of the rest of the, the team, I think maybe one area that was slightly surprising, um, which we maybe didn't see exactly when the team... We, we knew it was a back three and we knew that Vargas would be kind of supporting Shanklin. One area that, until the game kicked off, like, actually, no, that that's maybe not exactly as we, we foresaw it. We thought it would maybe be Neuenhoff and Denham sitting. You know, we've seen Denham sitting before in a two, although... In a, in a team of the back four, and we've seen Neuenhoff in there. But Mark, he was further forward. It was almost, yeah. and that's why I kind of joked about the shape a little bit. But within that joke, there was a, a serious message in terms of it kind of was Neuenhoff sitting behind Grant and Denham, who were then behind Shanklin and Vargas. It was almost a two and two, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. I don't know where the um, the Hearts standard have, have got their average positions in the passing network. I'm going to refer to it because it's, it's really interesting. It's a post that, um, that has been put on this afternoon. And we'll get to the second half shortly and the differences between starting positions and average positions in the first half and the second half. But you're right. It's like Rolls and Kent were the two furthest back. Civic was the... Slightly more pushed forward of the three centre-backs, but Neuenhoff's position um, on average was pretty much as deep as, as Civic with Ophaya on the right-hand side. As Scott quite rightly said, if you're looking for someone to bomb forward, get crosses in, I'm not sure Ophaya is going to be that person. Um, he might be the ideal right-back. I'm not sure. Um, in a four, but I think when, when Forrest came on, there's certainly more of an attacking impetus. With Denham, Denham was, was kind of level on average with, with Lawrence Shankland, um, with George Grant, uh, just a little bit deeper. And, and that, that's Shankland playing a little bit, um, a little bit withdrawn. Uh, Vargas slightly the, the furthest forward, but, but Kingsley up there as well. So it's not a case of it being lopsided, but, in the first half, they clearly gave Stephen Kingsley um, more of an opportunity to to get forward. But it looked like we just kind of had the one defensive midfielder because it gave Toby Civic the opportunity to kind of be the second one. If they're playing one up top or two up top, but if it's one, you don't need the three centre-backs. So you can have Civic playing the defensive midfield role when we have the ball, but like Manchester City do with their full-backs or one of their defenders. And it was Sibic and Neuenhoff, and that allowed Aidan Denham to push forward in support of Vargas, Shankland and Grant. But for me, there were too many defensive players trying to yeah. play in an offensive style. Yeah, I think that's that's a big one there. I think you're highlighting both you and Scott have made a good point about that. I mean, you look at Ross County, there was maybe some motivation in terms of our starting lineup matching up with a similar shape to them in terms of Ross County sort of playing that call it a three four three, but it was really a very similar shape to us with Jordan White, the main man up front, albeit Alex Samuel was doing a lot of running, but Jordan White, the kind of target man, if you will, with three centre backs and two fairly defensive players playing in the wing back roles. But yeah, for Hearts, this game saw Ross County very happy to let Hearts have the ball, especially in the central areas. Gave us lots of possession. It felt like after maybe being slightly more direct in the Kamarnik game, albeit on a different surface against a team that were maybe more aggressive in how they engaged us, but it gave us lots of possession and the first half felt a bit like the games we've had issues in. However, 
very solid, I thought, you know, a very solid base in the game defensively, maybe understandably given you basically do have five defenders on there. Um, but no penetration, you know, George Grant had a fairly tame effort that was comfortably saved. Shanklin did well to carve open an opportunity that he hit over the bar himself, but not much going on and, and not much at the start of the second half. And again, Scott made the point, uh, it was really the changes. So you, this is something we do have to credit Stephen Naismith for, don't we, Scott? Because, you know, there's not much else to say about the first half in this opening sort of 10 minutes to the second half because it was a lot of possession for Hearts without doing much of it in the final third. But he brought Lowry on, he brought Forrest on, he took Denham and he took a fire off. And it really did change the game for that last sort of third, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think he's he said himself that, you know, the, the game reached a point where after about 55 to 60 minutes, it was evident that we were getting plenty of possession and plenty of control in that final third in that little pocket behind Shanklin. But he probably didn't have... The, the player on the park who could really sort of uh, sort of give us that impetus and I think that's why Lowry came on again bringing Forrest on similar to games against St Mirren and Aberdeen and when he started against Kilmarnock whatever you want to say about you know Alan Forrest in terms of his individual quality he's a disciplined player so you know that if you stick Forrest out wide on the left you know that he'll hold his position he'll not only create uh, a, a bit of you know attacking prowess going forward, but you'll also be able to assist sort of chasing back as well if he needs to in terms of sort of tracking their fullback. So it was a good sort of double switch. Again, you know, if if we were nitpicking a little bit, we could sort of say, well, that's been brought on by the fact that we maybe haven't been quite proactive with our, our sort of team selection at the beginning. But again, you know, in the, in the situation that we've been in this season, we really can't turn our noses up at three points away from home just now. And again, it's it's slowly building the momentum on top of the Kilmarnock result. Yeah, Alan Forrest straight away looked dangerous after coming on. He was getting forward in the wide areas, making runs, taking players on. Uh, and Alex Lowry just offering something that you know, the likes of Denham wasn't, which was just the ability to maybe pick out um, some really dangerous balls from, from areas that a lot of players wouldn't be able to do that. And the goal came... Uh, just before the 70th minute, we'll have a quick listen back to that now. Plays it to Lowry. He feeds Kingsley on the left, midway inside the county half. Lowry curls into the box. Lovely ball. Forrest waits, gets his head on it. In! Alan Forrest off the bench. Nods the ball past the stationary Ross Laidlaw. Great header from the heart substitute. It's a wonderful ball into the box by Lowry. And Alan Forrest breaks the deadlock finally here for Hearts. It's his first of the season, and it's Ross County nil, Hartman Lothian one. So yeah, it's Alex Lowry picking up. He's what thirty-five yards from goal, left of centre, drops back inside. Not an easy position to maybe create a clear opportunity from. There's five county players lining up at the edge of the box. There are four Hearts players around them. Got to credit Alan Forrest here makes a. A nice darting run in behind, but Lowry picks him out really well, right onto his head. Um, it's a good header, and I thought it was a really good header when I first saw it. Um, Joel was slightly sceptical about the way Alan Forrest connects, and I don't want to be, you know, it, it's a great goal, it's a great play by Lowry, but um, the way he moves his head to it, I'm not sure the direction it goes in was exactly what he was intending. Do you think, Mark? Who cares? Uh, no, I don't yeah. care. No, but it's a, it's a society where we're just desperate to 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 just not have a go, but find fault with with something that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just analysing. Yeah, but if he hits it, if he heads it well, he probably doesn't score. So let's. It, I think the bigger picture here is we started to create things. Stephen Naismith made a comment after the game. I'm going to read it verbatim. Our thoughts were not to play a piercing pass forward initially but in the second half we put more naturally attacking players on and they had that instinct to pick that pass so bearing that in mind and go back to something Scott said earlier about is this going to be the three to stay and I totally agree with them because of the games coming up that Hearts have are very different to what we've just had because we've got Hibs at home, Celtic at home and Rangers away before we face Livingston and, and then Rangers in the Cup again. So 
I think Stephen Naismith's game management with that comment and, and what he did, when you know you're going to have a lot of the ball, maybe in future when we're facing a Ross County or when we're... And, and it'd be interesting to get your take on it if it's more away from home against sides that, that sit in because a lot of them like to come forward against Hearts and, and maybe have a go. Ross County didn't really do that. So... Yeah, you can you can say, oh, but why didn't he bring on uh, attacking players earlier? Look, he, he brought them on when when he needed to to do so, and I, I think that would have been something in 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 training last week that they would have worked on, and they would have had a plan B because plan B was what he did. Um, the first half was probably the way that he thought it was going to go with the personnel that he named to begin with. And then when he realised there wasn't much of a threat coming from Ross County, then it's a bit like the, in, the, in the rugby. The South Africans have like six or seven forwards that they bring on the bomb squad um, to freshen things up. For us, our bomb squad was Alex Lowry and and Alan Forrest that, that came on. And that allowed us to be more direct. And as Stephen Naismith said, they had more naturally attacking players on the park with an instinct to pick that pass. So whether or not the likes of Alex Lowry start against Hibs this weekend or against Celtic or what we do, I think, as Scott quite rightly said, for me, it's horses for courses. And now we've got a manager that is showing that he's not frightened to change what was his set three, uh, four, three, two, sorry, four, two, three, one formation. Yeah. In terms of the rest of the game, you know, County really did struggle to try and carve anything open themselves. They would only manage one shot on target throughout the game. Alex Lowry could have made things safe for Hearts. He saw a shot saved by Ross Laidlaw in the county goal. I guess their big chance maybe came late on, but sheer out of the fact that they had put so many players forward and they were just shelling the ball into the box. It was nodded down and Eamon Brophy volleyed into the ground and over the bar. Uh, not a big XG man generally, but I think the fact it was a 0.33 XG suggested that Ross County weren't really very dangerous. Albeit when it comes to XG, I think someone said to me at the weekend that Brighton had a higher expected goals than Aston Villa in a game they lost 6-1. So that kind of, that's probably a, a, one of the sorts of games somewhat why I don't like to read too much into those stats, even though I've just dropped one right there. But Scott, in terms of this Hearts team, the performance, the win, it was very solid. It was controlled for a lot of it as well. Now, is this, is this kind of a development of Stephen Naismith as he's kind of working his way into this position as sort of, of heart, as Hart's head coach, as manager, whatever you want to call him these days? Um, because obviously at first we saw that sort of um, shackles off, attacking, giving away lots of chances, but making a lot of chances. We saw goals, but we also saw some poor performances. This season it's been a little bit more reserved. Is this him developing and beginning to understand the game a bit more and seeing that you can't just play that way in every match? It has been quite tentative. I, I, I don't know whether that's all been sort of methodical and, and sort of premeditated. I think to a degree, he, he's mentioned himself at the start of the season that there was a focus on, you know, uh, tightening up at set plays because that's something that had hampered us last season and, and being generally more sort of controlled and sort of strong at the back. I do think that Injuries to the likes of Mackay and Oda have sometimes maybe forced their hand as well, and Tagawa as well. So I think because some of the, the newer players didn't hit the ground running, we've been without Neuenhoff at spells, I think there's been a certain element of it that's been sort of out with of his control, but he has adapted to it fairly well. Uh, and, and again, you know, you, it, I think at this stage, given how the season had started, as much as we probably won't want to be seeing performances of that ilk week in, week out, I think at this stage it was vital that we first of all built up some momentum which could in turn hopefully boost the confidence of the players in time for what's a really sort of tough running over the next sort of four or five weeks. So I think that he has handled it well. Uh, again, you know, there's certain aspects of the of the setup that I think I'd quite like to see tweaked a little bit. Uh, but, you know, you can't argue with the results. And at the end of the day, that's kind of probably the, the main priority for us. What would you like to see tweaked, Scott? I think, I think for me, there's still, 
there's still a tweak for me in terms of mixing it up, going from back to front a little bit more. And I think, I, to be fair, I did see that against Kilmarnock, but I don't know if that was, again, playing the occasion because it was a cup game. Uh, I do think away from home, we're still a little bit too tentative and it, and it is a case of always wanting to break the lines from the back. I think that the majority of the teams that we are playing only tend to want to press in, in their own sort of defensive third. So for me, I'd be more inclined to see us, you know, try it at times. There is times where we can maybe ask someone like Sibic to step out from the back and move into midfield or or get our fullbacks playing more inverted and sort of chopping and changing a little bit there. But I think I'd just like to see us go a little bit back to front a little bit more often and get their players, you know, having to second guess what we're going to do. I still think we're still a little bit too predictable as an attacking team. And again, I think some of that does boil down to the fact that we are short of certain players, uh, especially in that attacking third. So maybe we'll see that change when those players are are brought in. But to be fair to Naismith, he's maybe just at a stage of his tenure where he's trying to figure out what players he sees fitting his system in the long term. So what he's tried, I think, on Saturday with Sibic is something that he'll be viewing as a, a long-term position and a free moving forward. He'll need someone that does, I think you mentioned earlier, Mark, you know, that Man City way that they do with, with Stones, where they ask him to sort of step up and play almost like a, an extra man in midfield. It's maybe a case where he's just trying to figure out which of his players are comfortable in sort of adapting to what he wants. Uh, but like I say, it is vital that we get the results and to be fair to him, we've managed to do that the last couple of games. So Hearts with a win that propels them up the table to fourth in the league. Now just two points behind Rangers. Now, I don't want to read too much into the table at this point, Mark, and certainly with a very tough run of games coming up, um, that could easily change very quickly. But does it feel like it's been a turning point or... Is it still too early to tell? Too early to tell. However, there are positive signs, and I take on board what Scott has just said. And we've discussed about the length of time and the the kind of length of rope that that Stephen Naismith has, maybe not being as long as others that are fresh and new into the football club because of the mess that was put in place um, over the past few months with regards to the managerial setup. But the win over Aberdeen, the win at Kilmarnock and the win at Ross County, have we been at our best? Nowhere near our best. But give me a side that wins games while not at their best and has plenty to work on than a side that thinks they've hit top form and can't buy a win because they're unlucky or, or whatever. Ross County aren't good. Okay, They are where they are in the table. Um, but how much better are we than them right now? How much better are Livingston, Dundee, Kilmarnock, Aberdeen, Hibernian and Motherwell, the sides between Hearts and Ross County? Yeah, we've got better players, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, if you if those players aren't playing to their potential, playing in the right position, playing in the right formation. So Stephen Naismith is, is currently doing a job that he's, he's he's trying to learn as he's he's going around because there'll be certain things that he'll see that he didn't know about. Um, because bear in mind he wasn't the coach of 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 these players. He wasn't seeing the, every single game. He was with the the B team. Um, so he's probably still learning a few things as well. So it's kind of learning on the job. So to get results while you're learning on the job, I want to I want to give him some slack. Um, I like what he's. I can only judge him on what I've seen so far. Um, there's no point in saying, oh, he wasn't the first choice or this, that. This is what we've got right now. Um, but have we turned the corner? Ask me after the Hibs game. Ask me after the Celtic game. And ask me after the two games against Rangers. Because just when we thought, oh, we've turned the corner mm -hmm. and yeah. played well against Aberdeen, look what happened at St Mirren. So just because we've won at Kilmarnock in Ross County, if we produce a, a, a jobby on the pitch this weekend against Tabernian and we're back to where we were after the, the St Mirren game, it's a very different conversation. And then if we have a swashbuckling victory over Hibs at the weekend and then we're all happy going into the international break. So, so far, so okay, is how I would put it. Fair enough. Yes, I think when your heart's boss, you're always just one game away from a crisis. But hopefully 
that's not going to happen anytime soon. Fingers crossed, anyway. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Moving on to the big game coming next weekend, or this weekend. It's this week. I don't know what's going on with that. Hearts against Hibs. It's the Edinburgh Derby. And to help us preview this, someone with Plenty of experience of this fixture. It's uh, our podcast's favourite bench warmer who doesn't even get to warm the bench these days. It's Ryan McGowan. And I knew you were going to do something like that. I knew it. <laughs> but how are we? Looking forward to this week's game because I'll be sitting in a stand watching it like I've been the last couple of weeks. <laughs> which which game are you looking forward to? So Johnson and Aberdeen? Oh, just, watching, just watching games everywhere. That's what I've been doing recently. But, Welcome yeah. to our world. I know, I know. But um, yeah, this one should be a good one. I was saying to you earlier, I kind of like it because normally it's maybe the second or third game of the season, but I feel that like this one's been good because it's, you know, it's been a pretty big build-up. Well, are we now seven, eight weeks into the season? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's been plenty of sort of build-up to it. And I think both teams are possibly hitting a little bit of form. Um, yeah. A little bit. Hibs unbeaten in five. Hearts have now won three of their last four. Uh, Hearts have the best defensive record in the Premiership now. Just three goals conceded in seven games. But they do have the second worst scoring record. Just five goals in seven. Only which team have less? (laughs) Oh, St. Johnston. Um, Hibs, in contrast, have the second best scoring record. 11 goals in seven games. But only Livingston and Ross County have conceded more. So something has to give, etc., etc., etc. Look at a Hibs mark. Uh, 4-4-2 is the preference for Nick Montgomery. We'll get Ryan's thoughts on this in just a moment. He's seen them play under the new boss and he'll probably have a little bit of knowledge about him since he managed it over in Australia as well. They do tend to like to play it out from the back. They try and get boiling Yuan on the ball as much as they can out wide. It's going to be an interesting one, this, isn't it? Because Hearts have struggled in games where teams have employed the low block, if you will, i.e. being defensive and not wanting the ball too much. Hibs won't be that sort of team. We saw them draw with Dundee at the weekend just past, but it was a type of game that maybe we've seen Hearts get frustrated and lots of the ball just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net against a team happy to let them have it. So it's going to be quite a fascinating battle, isn't it, between two teams who a lot of the time have wanted to get the bulk of possession. Yeah, I was just speaking a few minutes ago about um, how long a manager needs to kind of get his ideas over onto a set of players and that was in reference to Stephen Naismith and It'll be interesting, um, Ryan, as well, with Nick Montgomery as to how long it's going to take um, the Hibs players to kind of buy into to his style and how different that maybe is to to Lee Johnson. Because I watched a, a little bit of their um, their game against St Mirren in the League Cup, and and it was end to end, and you just kind of thought, wow, they'll score goals, but they'll concede a few as well, as Laurie's just said when talking about the the league table. And then uh, I didn't see any of the game, didn't see the highlights either of the Dundee game, and you expect them to to win that pretty comfortably, and they didn't. One thing I, I was intrigued, one of his comments that he, he said, you've got to believe you're a big team, and you've got to believe uh, amongst yourselves that, that you go into every single game to win. So does that suggest, Ryan, that Nick Montgomery will be bringing his Hibs team to Tynecastle to attack Hearts and have a go and believe that they can get all three points? What are you expecting from, from his setup? Yeah, but I think they just play that way. Um, you know, looking at his sort of history in Australia, um, he doesn't sort of vary from that in terms of the way he wants to play. It, it kind of is a four-four-two, but it's not. Um, in terms of he plays a back four, then he, he likes having two sitters. So it's, well, just now it's Jago and um, Big Joe Newell that sit in front. Yeah, I think Jago's been really improved. One of my yeah. supporting friends told me he's been probably the most improved player under Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. and then the, they he does this, he did it in Australia as well. He has two strikers, but they're the ones that drop deep. 
and it allows these two wingers to stay really, really high. So it can almost be like a 4-2-3-1, almost, in terms of... It, it's hard. You, you see it when it comes. So Lafondra and um, I think it's Venti against us, but he always does with his two strikers. One of them or two of them have the license to drop almost into like a 10 roll or even deeper as a, like a midfield role and they try and draw the center backs out to then get the two wingers who are high and wide to then exploit that space that they've left in behind so he's actually gone to Hibbs with almost a, a good setup in terms of the players that he already has suits his style of play so in Australia he used to have like Cummings and I can't remember the other boy who was a Brazilian boy who used to drop deep and then he had the, that Sammy Silveira that Hearts were interested in and another boy out wide who would then just sprint in Got behind. Cool. <laughs> yeah, he was there for a while. And that's how he used to score because he used to play him so high and wide that any of those spaces, as soon as a centre-back sort of came out, they'd just play that ball in. Um, so he's almost got this sort of similar setup because um, you know the hip strikers, probably apart from Deutsch, who's a, more of a target man, the other two enjoy coming to feet and getting involved in the game. And Boyle and Newhan like to stay high and wide and running behind. So, um, you know, when we were doing preparations at St. Johnson to play them, we watched a lot of videos on them. And you, it's amazing, even during the game, how deep sometimes, um, you know, hip strikers would Why come to get prepared? the ball. <laughs> well, I was in the room watching it um, <laughs> to see how deep they would come to try and get the ball. And, you know, we had a, a very set position of our centre-backs weren't going to drop deep or follow the strikers into the midfield role. But then you then outnumbered in your midfield role so mm. they can then get possession further up the pitch uh, and sort of pin you back. So it'll be interesting to see what, what Hearts do to try and sort of counteract that. And at the same time, they do like playing the ball out and they will take risks in terms of, um, you know, trying to play that way out. If you do go and you know press them high up the pitch, the risk to reward of that is if you nick the ball, you've got a great chance. But also at the same time, it can leave you almost sort of four v four at the back. So it will be interesting to see, um, you know, from the tactical battle how you know both teams set up and how both teams play. Scott, based on what you said earlier about horses for courses and a three in one game and maybe a four in the other, based on what Ryan said with Yuan and Boyle out wide and getting forward. What would be best for Hearts against Hibs this weekend? Would it be a three at the back with Boyle potentially up against Kai Rolls, or would it be a four potentially up against Stephen Kingsley? I think he would go with a four. Uh, and I think so. I think the main reason I'm saying that is not just to do with you know trying to figure out what the most suitable sort of tactic is for us in terms of defensively. But like Ryan was touching on there, I think there's a real opportunity for us to sort of not overload the midfield, but maybe get a bit of an upper hand and a bit of control in there. Uh, if it was me, I would be looking at a 4-1-4-1, uh, getting Forrest and Vargas out wide, but not as a sort of 4-2-3-1 formation. So having them dropping a little bit deeper because Hibs are going to be so advanced in those wide areas we boil a new hand that there is going to be a gap probably between them and the fullbacks that could be exploited if we could get players in the right position and I would probably then have Devlin and Neuenhoff playing as sort of advanced eights with Benny sort of sitting in that number six position Looking at Dundee they played kind of a 3-5-2 system extra man in the middle which um, stifled Tibbs a little bit and they had the wing backs coming in quite often, so there was quite an overload in the centre. Ryan, you know, if, if you were looking at this tactically, Hearts have just played a kind of variation of a 3-5-2 in the last game. It's how they ended the Kilmarnock game. It's not Stephen Naismith's preferred setup in terms of what he's played with Hearts. He does seem to prefer a 4-2-3-1, but if you're looking at this, um, how, how would you go about this? What do you think would work best for Hearts, especially at Tynecastle, which is a tight pitch. It can be a congested pitch. You often don't get a lot of width in how you play. Do you think keeping that sort of shape would suit it best if you're in terms of nullifying Hebs and also trying to take advantage of the space that might open up in central areas? Um, yeah, I liked um, Scotty's sort of formation there with sort of Cami and Neuenhoff. You could almost go like man for man, um, put those two on 
um, Jago and Newell because they're the ones that they want on the ball. So that when they are passing it around the back or they're trying to pass it out, it is to get those two on the ball to then get their wingers on it. So if you put two on there, but then you still had Benny sitting as a sort of six as such to pick up one of those sort of strikers that come in, it would give Hibbs something to think about because they wouldn't have that easy option of bouncing it into Jago to flip it around the corner to the wingers because they would be marked as such. So, um, and then you still got your back four that can deal with the two wingers out there. And then at the same time, if you've got Miller and I think I can't remember the left back off the top of my head, they'll then also have Stevenson, players that they will have to be. It was maybe a beta against, against yourselves, but it's certainly been Stevenson the last few so games. But then they would also, they would have to be wary. They couldn't, you know, gung-ho go forward because they would also have men on them. So it would be a case of it suits Hart's style of play because it wouldn't change that much, but it would also make Hibbs either have to do it much better than what they have been doing in terms of playing out from the back and getting new and new and Jago on the ball, but it doesn't detract too much from how Hearts have, have been playing. So I'd probably be more inclined to sort of go with, with that formation. In saying that, then you probably lose like a, a proper number 10 because you would have um, Kami and Nui up there, you know, as your eights. And Nui could probably do it a little bit better than, than Kami can up there. But also you've got that sort of energy that, that Cammy brings to a derby that you, that you would need because you know they're, they're not going to have that much time on the ball and um, you know sometimes Cammy's best games are the ones where he has to sort of rat and get in and amongst it. So yeah, it, w- it would be interesting to see what both teams line up with. You know, oh, I could be talking nonsense and um, Montgomery could go with sort of Doidge and a, a front three. You know, Doidge at the pinnacle and have Boyle off him because he put Boyle up top for the last twenty minutes against us. Um, with Doidge actually, it really looks like it up a little bit. Looks like Fen- uh, Ventin Lafondra is preferred at the moment. Yeah, certainly just you know, now he, available. He could also be looking at it as you know, this is probably his biggest test as a manager if he goes there and and does really well and you know stamps his sort of authority on the team and and really goes for it. Then you know he'll be well-liked amongst the Hibs supporters, especially if you get a win. But at the same time, it, it sort of shows to his players that no matter where they go, you know, if he's calling them a big team and they have to go out and win every game, then sometimes you have to you know, do that and, and show the players that you are confident of going to your biggest rivals and playing two up top and playing the way that you have been playing against you know, St. Johnson and Dundee at home. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see how um, both teams line up, that's for sure. Mark, there are still some defensive frailties around Hibs. You know, you mentioned the fact that um, they have conceded goals after I highlighted the, the kind of stats in that in that area. Um, they've struggled with balls coming into the box. They've struggled with second balls at times. David Marshall still not overly convincing in the Hibs goal. How do Hearts then test Hibs? You know, we've spoken about maybe the best setup in terms of Hearts nullifying a Hibs threat. We know we've got they do have options going forward, and there's no doubt. And Yuan and Boyle are two really dangerous players on their day. It looks like Vente, the new striker, is a great finisher. But at the back, that's where their weaknesses are, and that's where Hearts are going to have to look to expose them. And at home, there will be an emphasis on Hearts to, to try and do that. Yeah, I want to see us play with pace. Um, Ryan's mentioned that, and Scott has as well. I think about them taking one or two unnecessary risks at the back. It's all right when we get the ball back. It's it's being able to translate that into quick possession to get an attempt on goal. I, I don't know if it was you or another WhatsApp group that I was in that sent the statistics about David Marshall um, with the shots that uh, that he's conceded this that season. Was, that was myself, yeah. It, it, it was, <laughs> yeah. And, and it didn't make great reading for David Marshall. So not only would I like to see us play with pace, I would like to see us... Not try and score the perfect goal all the time. And as Stephen Naismith um, spoke about with that quote, which I'll read again for, for Ryan, our thoughts weren't to play a piercing pass forward in that first half against Ross County. However, in the second half, we put more naturally attacking players on and they had that instinct to pick that pass. So his team selection is going to be interesting. But if we've got those players, which hopefully we have, I'd like to see the ball, once we get it back, moved forward quicker. I'd like to see more efforts from distance. 
I don't know if that's something. I mean, I've watched the games this season on, on Hearts TV. Has there been more? Has there been less attempts from, from distance? Because I'm not convinced about Marshall right now and, and his form, um, but I want to see him tested. In terms of the, the derby itself, it's obviously such a big game. Hearts had been on a nine-game unbeaten run in the derby before their last visit to Easter Road. That was Stephen Naismith's first game. Now without winning two, though, albeit the 1-1 draw at the end of last season, felt like a win for Hearts. Scott, how important is this game? You know, we've seen Stephen Naismith have a lot of detractors and, you know, rightfully, there's been a bit of criticism aimed at him at the start of this season, some of the performances and results. You know, a couple of wins away from home, maybe turning the tide a little bit, but we know what it's like when you're a manager of Hearts or Hips. You know, things can hinge on a derby, can't it? This does this feel like a huge game for him, and and how maybe the feeling around his position at the club um it kind of resonates around the supporters. Yeah, I'm I'm probably not talking out of turn if I suggest that to the majority of fans he's still one bad result away from a crisis. Uh, there were still murmurings regarding the board and the management, even at Dingwall at the weekend. So that hasn't fully went away yet, and I think. You know, a couple of statement victories, like a derby win, maybe a decent per- performance against the old firm upcoming as well, would certainly help sort of turn the tide uh, in terms of opinion. But I think, first and foremost, you just need to see that there's intent from the performance. Uh, mm. I think that there had been a lot of noise coming from Naismith towards the end of last season when he took the interim role and he was talking about, you know, wanting Hearts to be on the front foot, talking about the demands of the home crowd and understanding that because he's been a player as well. I think that Saturday's a good opportunity for us to show that and I think that, like we've all touched on already this evening regarding how Hibs want to play, there is an opportunity for us to probably catch them out a little bit. Now, I'm not, not suggesting that Nick Montgomery doesn't know his stuff, but the four teams that Hibs have played uh, during his tenure are the four teams at the bottom of the pressing table in terms of stats. So St Johnston, Kilmarnock, Dundee and St Mirren. We're actually top of that table just now in terms of pressing. We, we couldn't beat three of those teams. Of third. Oh, sorry, Laurie, what was that? We couldn't beat three of those teams, though. <laughs> oh, but we, no, we pressed good, but, though. We pressed really well. But... But we press well, and we press well on second balls, and that's why I was suggesting earlier, with the likes of Cammy Devlin and Newenhoff playing as advanced states, we can make it really uncomfortable for them, especially on that tight pack. So there is a really good opportunity for us, not just to come up with a statement result on Saturday, but also a performance. And I think that would go a long way to sort of, sort of curry in favour with the fans and maybe just buying them that little bit of time. I think it would then mean that if we do come up short in the, the sort of games against the old firm, he's still got that sort of credit in the bank, so to speak, from you know beating Kelly and Ross County away and, and getting that result against Hibs just prior to the international break. Ryan, um, you, you, know, you know better than anyone about how important derbies are, given you were in a Hearts team that scraped fifth place in the table, but a certain result at the end of that season and results across the season against the men in green and white immortalised you and your teammates and you yourself, you know, are still dining off that goal at Hampden Park and well you might, we'd all be doing the same. How important is a game like this for Stephen Naismith? What do you think? I mean, this, is it, it's not going to make or break, but you get that underlying feeling, don't you, from the fans if you do badly in the derbies they've just, it's just simmering there, the discontent whereas if you do well in the derbies it goes the other way doesn't it, they just give you a bit of leeway when it comes to other matches So at St Johnston they've binned him and we haven't binned him but he's just sent a message saying I've just lost you guys, so for anyone accusing us of doing what St Johnston did and ostracising <laughs> McGowan, that's not true it's not true um I, I don't. Know. I think he just. I think he's just left because of one too many jibes. Oh. I, fi- I finally pushed him <laughs> over. Here he is. He's back. Finally pushed him over the edge. Sorry, sorry, he was just boring me there, so I just left. <laughs> oh, you missed my last jibe. That's a shame. Um, basically, I'll, I'm going to leave all this in, but I'll just summarise with how how much can the Edinburgh Derby work in favour of 
individuals be them managers or players if you get good results in them and how much can it work against you if you get bad results in them oh massively i i think people underestimate how big the derby is to like everybody that's associated with both clubs so like if you look at the end of season awards nine times out of ten it's a goal against hearts or hips that wins goal of the year moment of the year you you end up remembering derbies from players performances or players goals or sometimes you know how bad a player a certain player was in those games so it's um you know massively important for both sets of players and um you know, from a Hibs point of view, like you guys have touched on, this is a massive test for them. You know, they have played relatively well under him, but this will be their sort of first big massive test for them to see how they get on. And I think that's a, a huge opportunity for Hearts, especially at home, to to really stamp their authority of you know how they want to play. And, and those first twenty minutes, if they can get on top of of Hibs and you know win the ball high up the pitch and put them properly under pressure, then you know that's a massive test for Hibs, you know, will, will they continue to play out? Will they continue to play the same way that Montgomery wants them to play? And, um, you know, it could go pear-shaped for them in terms of Hearts win the ball high up and score straight away. Do they stick with that? Do they keep putting themselves under unnecessary pressure or do they go a little bit longer and it suits Hearts in terms of they've only got Lafond, they've got smaller boys up front that we should be dealing with that and, and winning the second ball. So, yeah, it's a, as much as it's a massive tactical battle, I think it's down to both sets of players to to really go out there and, um, you know, at the end of the day, it is a derby. So the team that relatively wants it more or, or plays the better football will win that game and, um, you know, can, like you said, can really kick on their seasons. Um, so hopefully from from our point of view, it's, it's hearts that can come away you to win. You seem like you're in, um, you're in a tractor in the middle of a field in, in Perth um, with the reception. Um, however, have you noticed under, yeah, I, 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 have you noticed under Nick Montgomery in, in previous managerial roles? We spoke earlier about Stephen Naismith and his in-game management and not frightened to change things from what we've seen so far. Does Nick Montgomery do the same? If it's not working in the first 20 minutes, maybe Hearts get off to a good start, get a lead. Is he someone that would stick to his guns and go, nope, this is what we this is what we do, or would he adapt and adjust accordingly? I, w- I would say he would stick to it. Um, he would have a slight sort of plan B um, in terms of you know, he'd be working on things if they can't get Jago and Newell on the ball as much as they would like. They'd probably have, you know, they'd maybe go a little bit longer or, or try and, you know, turn Hearts defenders to open that space up. But, you know, the kind of the way that he wants to play is almost like an edge. A lot of the Aussie coaches have obviously you know, kind of copy to end what what he does in terms of you just need to do it better. You just need to do it quick. You need to move the ball faster to to break that press, which is all well and good saying that, but you know, you have to then have those individuals out on the pitch doing it in, you know, red hot atmosphere and, and massively, you know, different circumstances to to what they're used to. You know, it's gonna be a an unbelievable atmosphere um, on Saturday. It's, it's going to be, you know, probably the best sort of derby atmosphere for a long time with it being a three o'clock kickoff Saturday, not on TV. You know, all the punters will be well up for it. So it's going to be a, a massive occasion. And, it, you know, it's, like you said, it's all well and good doing it on the training pitch and doing it against the sort of lesser teams at home. That's your big test. You know, a derby away from home, will you actually stick to those principles and will you continue to do it? So, it's a good opportunity for Hearts to, to really get at him and um, put a lot, a lot, lot of pressure on him in those f- sort of first 15 to 20 minutes. Given O2 have obviously dropped Ryan as well. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll move on. We'll get to predictions. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 19. 19- 50s. So before we go, we're going to have to make our terrible predictions. Uh, we all predicted a Hearts win up in Dingwall, at least, albeit no one got the score correctly because we all fancied it being a little bit higher scoring. Uh, but let's see how we do this weekend. So Hearts and Midlothian against Hibernian, first Edinburgh derby of the season. 
is something going to give Mark the best defensive unit in the league at the moment against the second best attacking unit in the league if we look at the stats there what's going to happen I don't know because we have to what I do know is we have to be better than we have been in the past twice that we've played against Hibs yes there was the uh, the dismissal um, the last time we played them of Alex Cochran just before the half hour but I didn't think we were we were great after that. We were hanging on a little bit. And then the time before that, um, that was the first game, I think, after Robbie Nielsen's departure, we were insipid at Easter Road. Um, if we're more like we were in January in the Scottish Cup tie, then then that's more like it. I'm just looking back to the last time Hibs won at Town Castle back in, in December um, 2019 and, and Boyle double, yeah, all sorts of problems. Yeah, so... He's he's the one that that we need to um, we need to to pay attention to and 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 try and stop. I, I I think he'll score, but I think we will score two and win by two goals to one. Our goal scorer, I'm going to go Kenneth Vargas in a two-one win with Boyle scoring for them. Take that, Scott. What happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? The Hibs attack against the Hearts defence, maybe slightly dramatic. But what do you envisage for Saturday's big game? I'm going to make this prediction in the hope that we do go back to a similar sort of 4-2-3-1 or a, a similar variation of that to what Naismith's implemented in our home games so far uh, in his tenure. If we were to go with three at the back, I'm not quite sure that I'd be as confident of a Hearts victory. Uh, but I'm going to say two or three nil Hearts. I, I do think there's a good chance that Hibs fans or at, or Montgomery himself will learn more about his players this Saturday than he has done in the last four games, uh, because this is a this is definitely going to be their toughest test, and I do think that we are going to present a a different animal to what they face so far in terms of pressing in their own half, and I think that might just catch them off guard. So I'm quite hopeful that we are going to turn up and get a good performance and result. Let's hope that Ryan McGowan's got the. Uh... Got the mast above his combine harvester so we can hear his prediction ahead of the game at Tyne Castle. I'm going to go 3-1 hearts. 33-1? <laughs> Take that right now. 3-1. Is it bad? Is this... Really bad. Got... I've moved rooms and everything. I'm going to stand up. 3-1. You've got Wi-Fi. Cut them off. Cut them off. I've got Wi-Fi. I'm standing bloody next to them. They've cut them off. I'm still here. <laughs> right. 3-1. Who's going to score for Hearts? Robertson. Shanklin. Okay. And Neuenhoff. Oh, he's going with two. Oh, okay. I like it. I what like it. I mean, I'm going to have to die on the Vargas Hill. I've mentioned that before. <laughs> just going to keep going with it. So, Kenneth... Kenneth Vargas is going to score. Um, I think it could be. I think it could be an interesting game. I don't think there'll be much between the two teams. Actually, I'm going to. Uh, so I was almost, almost about to do a Scott and no, say no. You weren't. No, you're not allowed to this week. Almost going to say care. a draw. Don't, 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 no, don't almost going to say one-one. But I'm, no. I'm going to force myself to, to, to go with two-one hearts. I think Vargas will score two one hearts. They'll they'll be it'll be a good game. I think so. This is really famous last words. It's gonna be an absolutely miserable nil nil. But I'm going I'm going for a good game. Two one hearts. Vargas to score. Because that's the same prediction as me. You need a different head score because oh, you're. Oh, so sorry. Yeah, you, you. No, you can have the same because you said the same last week. You can have the same if you want, but. Um, I need a different hip score. It can't be Boyle then if you're going 2-1. Uh, Vente. Okay. I know that I care who hip scores for hips, no, whatever. No. But okay. okay, well, hopefully someone's right, but the main thing will be Hearts get a good result and we'll be back next week to discuss it. And even if somehow it's not a good result and Hibs manage to steal three points from Tyne Castle, we'll come back and we'll be back to misery 
but hopefully that's not the case. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can tweet at Around the Funnel. You can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Thank you very much to Mark and Scott and for Ryan for making a return, even if he can't hear what we're saying just now. We never know. Um, until next I time. I know what's playing us out. You do? Ha- it has to be. Well, I've got a brand new combine harvester. Go, a deer, a female oh, deer. No. <laughs> Away we go. Right. See you all next time. Doe, a deer, a female deer. Ray, a drop of golden sun. Me, a name I call myself. Far, a long, long way to run. So, a needle pulling thread. La, a note to follow so. Tea, a drink with jam and bread That will bring us back to dough Oh, 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 dough! A deer, a female deer Ray! A drop of golden sun Me! A name I call myself Bah! A long, long way to run So! A needle pulling thread La! A note to follow so